It was a great prayer. Can you hear me? Can you hear me in the back? Yeah, I got a lot of complaints last week that you couldn't hear me. I'm going to stand up this week. And... That was a great prayer. It was great music. So far, it's been a great morning, hasn't it? I just want to um, remind you of a couple of things that I've been encouraged to remind you of. We need some people after service to help set up uh, the, uh, the dining room, I would say, the fellowship hall, the feed trough, so that when we come this afternoon to Harvest Fest, we'll all be able to uh, enjoy a comfortable time of fellowship together. And I just want to encourage you to come this afternoon. If you think it's nice sitting next to nice people, you should come and have a meal with them because they're really actually very nice people. You will enjoy this. I could point out several of them right here. Very nice. This is one of the nicest groups of people I've ever had the privilege to minister, and I'm really enjoying it. So I just encourage you to please come and have time. I know some of you are put off about the thought of having to sing around a campfire. Not to worry. You don't have to sing. When you get to heaven, you have to sing, but not here. So we're going to enjoy that part. Um, I am really thankful to see a, a lot of Mary Powers family here this morning. Um, Mike and Dawn and their in-laws and outlaws from different parts of America. And I, um, it's been a long couple of weeks, so... This morning I want to talk about forgiveness, not something that we normally talk about because none of us have a problem with that, but I want to talk about forgiveness from the standpoint of what does God, actually the next couple of weeks I'm going to talk about, what does God really think about forgiveness? And the crux of the matter is he thinks a lot about forgiveness, he talked a lot about forgiveness, he told a number of stories about forgiveness. Yeah. And studying for this, um, this message this, morning, this past week and studying for the one next week, he reminded me of that fact, that there are things that I need to do and there are things that we all need to do to keep our relationship with the Lord open. Forgiveness is one of them. So I'm just going to pray, and then we'll ask you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Forgive me of my sins, Lord, and fill me with your spirit. I pray that the words that come out of my mouth are the words that you want to hear. I pray for each one here, Lord. Bless us with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you open your Bible to Luke chapter 7, I'm going to start reading a passage that you may be familiar with. It's found in Luke 7, it starts in verse 36. And it, it kind of helps to understand that Jesus had just been talking to some people who were very uh, prideful, very uh, into themselves, thought that everything they did was good, thought that they had permission to judge Jesus, to judge John the Baptist, just to take liberties and act like they were somebody special. We don't know people like that here, but... They started, Jesus said, he finishes that in verse 35, he said, Yet wisdom is vindicated by all her children. Because you see, in Proverbs it says, 
The knowledge of God is the beginning of wisdom. And if you know God and you've given your heart and life to Him, you have wisdom. You have the knowledge of God, ergo you have wisdom. And then Jesus starts to tell or relate the reality of something that happened to him. It starts like this. Now one of the Pharisees, verse 36, now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears (coughs) and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. (coughs) Oh, excuse me, I'm going to die. Well, we all are. I mean, that's true, right? This first part of the passage that ends in verse 50 really sets up the, the contrast between the people at the party. There was a Pharisee there who invited Jesus to come to dinner. And there were the Pharisee's friends, and there was Jesus. And somehow this woman found out, and typically in those days, the news would go out, somebody was having a dinner party, and they would show up to, people would come in maybe and stand around the perimeter of the dining room and listen to the conversation and hear uh, the words of wisdom or hear the words of instruction that would be said from that conversation. And so Jesus was there, and the first thing we see that it's, uh, this woman was a sinner. There was a woman there. She was a sinner. Uh, it could be translated better, an immoral woman. Why don't we just leave it at sinner, and that way that's, we all know what that means. She was a sinner. She heard that the Lord was at the table, so she went to the dining room. She took with her an alabaster jar of perfume, and she sat behind Jesus' And the, on the wall. And when they went to dinner there, they sat on a big pillow and they would sit, you know how they did it, and they would relax like this and their feet would be out behind them. And so she was in a place where she could see his feet, she could reach his feet, and she was apparently emotionally distraught. She was emotionally distraught. And I, I think a couple of things are important to see. That she sat there at his feet weeping, She wet his feet with her tears. She took her hair down and wiped her tears with her hair. She took the vial of perfume and opened it and bathed his feet in perfume. There's not a person in that room that wasn't focused on exactly what that woman was doing. Not one person. And Simon, in his brilliance, said, if this man were a prophet... Well, you can add to that. If Simon had been paying attention, Simon would know that this man was more than a prophet. This was the Son of God, the Son of Man. 
Simon was so focused on himself, he missed that point. But if this man were a prophet, he would know who this woman is. But Jesus, and so Jesus had already said that, you know, they had already talked about how John the Baptist was a bad person, a bad person to be around. He didn't wear priestly garments. He wore, uh, he wore hair shirts, which men were probably really comfortable. He wore hair shirts. He ate bugs in the wilderness. He, uh, and he stayed in the wilderness, and he just dunked people in the Jordan. People were coming out to him, and, they were, and he was only asking them to be baptized if you're repenting of all your sins and you want to be ready when the Messiah comes. And who could re- resist that? Everybody got in. They got baptized. Many of the Pharisees did. Many of their scribes did. People were coming from Jerusalem and from north, and they were being baptized by John. So in some sense, they received John, but they made fun of Jesus. See what they said? He said, uh, now when, the, when the people saw him, uh, they didn't recognize him. They recognized John as possibly the messenger, but Jesus came, and he came as God in flesh. He was raised in Nazareth, not a very nice village maybe. He was a carpenter's son, a carpenter's apprentice, and then a carpenter. And they castigated him because he ate food, he drank wine with sinners. And this woman, this immoral woman, was sitting behind him. Everyone could see she just kept crying and weeping. And her tears just kept flowing. And she would put the tears on his feet and wipe them and then put the ointment, uh, the perfume on his feet. And Jesus was sitting there, and he said, uh, or the Pharisee, if this man were a prophet, he would know what sort of person he was talking to and what, who was touching him. And then Jesus, I like the way the text says this, and Jesus answered Simon, and Simon didn't ask a question. Simon just thought it. If he were a prophet, he would know, and Jesus answered the question. Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon, being a little bit arrogant, a little bit haughty himself, said, well, say it. And Jesus turned to him, and then we'll we'll look at the next part of the scripture here, verse 40. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon replied, say it, teacher. He said, a money lender had two debtors. We all know what money lenders are, right? You know, bankers and people that loan us money. Uh, But these money lenders were different. These were charlatans. Well, anyhow, that's the way the Bible points them out to be. But he said, the money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. A denarii is the equivalent of a day's wages. When they were unable to pay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them would love him more? And Simon answered and said, Well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And the Lord said, 
you have judged correctly. And turning to the woman, Jesus said, do you see this woman? Now, Simon was there. We kind of moved away from the people that were at the party, and we moved to the place where we're going to find out the presence of God at this party and what his presence had and how it had impact on this. Jesus said, do you see this woman? And there was no question. Everyone in the, There was nobody asleep at that meal. They were all watching the transaction between her and Jesus. She was anointing his feet. The contrast between the one who sinned, which was her, everybody thought, and the one who thought he didn't sin, which was Simon, is magnificent. Simon didn't recognize Jesus for anything, and this woman recognized him for everything. She didn't just walk in off the street and say, I'm going to take this guy's feet and, and give him a bath and clean him up and help him to, his feet to smell good. Somewhere, and we see from the, the verbiage that's used, somewhere she had heard about Jesus. And somewhere she knew that he was at this meal. And he came, and she came, for the specific purpose of giving him a gift offering. Because she knew Jesus. She knew God. She knew the promise. And maybe she had been healed. Or maybe she had been taken out of an adulterous situation. Or maybe something happened to her. But we sit here sometime this morning, and all of us have a, a time in our lives when we know that God reached down, touched us, and we started walking with Him. And we, our lives changed. And when that happened, for all of us, when it first happened, at least we were really excited. And all we wanted to do was go to church, read the Bible, be with His people. And that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to be with him or near him. The contrast between one who felt self-righteous, who was Simon, who, by the way, was a sinner. What does the Bible say? All have sinned. Underline all. It doesn't mean part of us or some of us, but it means everyone. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Simon felt self-righteous. He felt that he was not required to have grace or find grace. He grew up in the church. He knew his Bible. He knew the words to say. He could move his lips and say the powerful words that we all want to hear. The woman probably wasn't allowed to go to church. Maybe. We don't know. She didn't know her Bible. What she knew was Jesus. Somehow, it had been revealed to her, and we know how that happens. The Spirit of God comes on a person and draws that person into a relationship with God the Father and Jesus the Son. And she knew that she had been changed. And she knew that whatever else was going on in this party didn't mind or didn't bother her. She had been re redeemed in some sense, and I don't know if she even knew the words. There she was, Simon with his sense of self-righteousness. He was a sinner in the presence of the Messiah 
and missed it. She was the sinner in the presence of the Messiah and couldn't help herself just to be filled with joy and, and grief and all her tears just flowed. Just flowed. Simon had a greater sin by that. He showed his true heart because he ignored common courtesy. Jesus said to him, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet to wash his feet. Took off his sandal, washed his feet. No, they didn't do that. That was a, a normal social customary thing to do with guests in the house. Simon ignored that. Simon said if he was a prophet, Simon was like, every, why did Simon invite him? Would you ever ask yourself that question? He invited him because he had heard what had happened. He had heard the stories. He had seen people who had experienced miracles. And Simon wanted to talk to Jesus. Simon thought himself too good for that. He was a goody two-shoes. We used to call him that. He should have remembered that he invited Jesus and that he should have shown some custom, customary social graces. He said, you, have, uh, you did not give me water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss of greeting. But she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, which is another social uh, requirement. Oil on the head. But she anointed my feet with perfume. And for this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For he who is forgiven, but she loved much, she, which, uh, but her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. She had heard, as Simon had, she demonstrated wisdom, the knowledge of God, and performed according to that knowledge. She had sinned. She had probably sinned horribly. If there's a distinction between degrees of sin, maybe. But Simon's sin was just as onerous to God. Simon's sin would keep him out of heaven just like her sins would. The easy sin, the little lie, the little untruth, the little theft, or the little something that we do from time to time, the little betrayal. Those little sins all matter to God. And they will not allow you to get into heaven unless you know Jesus, trust Him, and allow Him to wash you of all those sins. There's power in the blood, right? We sang that this morning. The woman came into this dinner. She knew Jesus would be there, and her heart yearned to be with Him, be near Him, to touch Him. Do you ever get that sense? Do you ever have that emotion? Sometimes when we're here and we're standing together or we're sitting together and the music's playing and we're singing the songs, do you just have that sense wash over you that that is so powerful? 
this is the way it should be all the time. I just want to stand by him. I want to walk with him. I want to talk with him. Somewhere she had seen her forever, and I say this um, it's kind of an eisegesis because it's not in the text, so I'm adding my thought. But somewhere she had heard that Jesus promised eternity. She had seen her own life and knew that the way she was going was not going to eternity. It was going to another place. Hot. Not Texas. She knew that that's not where she wanted to go. She knew that the only way she could get there was to believe in him. She heard that. She believed it, and she acted on it. She couldn't wait to get near him and give him the most precious gift she probably owned. Simon never looked at himself, but only criticized this immoral woman. Simon felt like, hey, (laughs) To Jesus. Hey, I invited you to dinner, didn't I? What are you doing messing with this person? Simon never caught on that Jesus was poking him in the chest by reminding him of the fact that he couldn't even perform the most simple social courtesies. Simon thought he was a good guy. He didn't need a savior. Simon knew about God, but Simon did not know God. The beginning of knowledge, the knowledge of the Savior or knowledge of God is the beginning of wisdom, and Simon had no demonstration of wisdom at all. That sinful woman, it says, as we finish the text, For this reason I say to you, her sins which are many have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he turned and said to her, your sins have been forgiven. And those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. That's the gospel right there. Your sins are forgiven. Even they knew only God could forgive sins. And I'm on the power and authority of the Word of God this morning. I will assure you that's still true. Only God can forgive sins. And it's Him we go to for for, uh, cleansing, for repentance, for power in the blood. Simon, and she had a lot of sins, didn't she? 500 denarii worth. And Simon is sitting over there and he's trying to think, Well, I know a lot of people that are worse than me. Ever had that thought? I did when I was a young man. God doesn't grade on a curve, though. God grades on the truth. Do you trust Him? Do you love Him? Do you repent of your sin and trust Him to forgive you and to cleanse you? That sinful woman... And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. And that sinful woman left that house saved and her sins forgiven. She had placed her faith in Jesus. They were so concerned. Jesus must really be 
anomaly to them because first in the passage about John the Baptist, well, you know, he's he eating and drinking and probably getting drunk and all those kind of things. And now they don't recognize him for all the powerful things he did, all the things that the Messiah was going to do. And now he was accusing him of being less than he was because he was forgiving her of her sins. Fifty denarii. Doesn't sound like much compared to 500 denarii. It's still enough to keep Simon out of heaven unless he trusts the Savior. Simon left his table a sinner, still living under the condemnation of his sins. The solution to be a sinner, uh, the solution to the problem is to be a sinner like Simon and to have faith like the woman. Believe in God and he takes away all your sins. He, he bore them all and he paid the price for them, the penalty for them. You can read and look and ponder and you can try to defeat the scriptures, but sooner or later it comes down to this. Are you going to be like Simon and reject the truth? Are you going to be like this woman and admit, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I need my Savior to forgive me. There is no sin, listen, there is no age that God won't choose to forgive you at. If you think you're 70 and you're old, grow up. You're not. If you think you're 40 and you're young, you are. But get over it. <laughs> if you think you're 8 or 9 or 10 and you've no sin, that's not true. All have sinned. All need to come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. The knowledge of God is the beginning of wisdom. And there's no sin that Jesus won't forgive. You can't commit a sin that he can't forgive. And you have to decide, Simon, 50 denarii, the unforgiven sinner, or the woman, 500 denarii, by faith she is saved through grace. You have to decide. Let's pray. Lord, I just uh, thank you for this morning. I thank you for the refreshing music we had, for the, 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 all the prayers that's gone up, for the testimony. Lord, I praise you for those young children that went out of here with smiles on their face. I praise you for their parents and grandparents that sit here. I praise you for the families that came after the funeral of their beloved Mary this past week. I just praise you for loving us so much, Lord, that you paid the price to forgive our sins. May we walk out of here today with our eyes focused on heaven and our hearts desiring to be with you. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.